Welcome to the Creative Agency Account Manager Podcast with me, Jenny Plant from Account Management Skills Training. I'm on a mission to help those in agency client service keep and grow the existing client relationships so their agency business can thrive. Welcome to episode 14. Today's guests are both agency account directors. And the reason I invited them onto the show today is to really share their day-to-day experience of what it's like in the role of an agency account director in the creative industry. So during this interview, they're going to share with us what they believe is the value the account management role plays, both for an agency and also for its clients, the difference between an account manager role and an account director role, some examples of where they feel that they've made a difference to the client's business, their thoughts on why clients stay with agencies for the long term, their approach to client retention and growth. And they're also going to share some challenges that many people experience in the account management role, and particularly now with everyone is working remotely and some ideas for how they've overcome them. They're also going to share tips and advice for anyone in agency client service who want to improve their account management skills and accelerate their career. So lots of great ideas here. I really hope that you get lots of value from this podcast episode and I'm looking forward to hearing your feedback. So let's go straight over to the show. So today on the show, I'm really excited about chatting to Sarah Deacon and Ruby Began. Um, they're both from Thursday, which is a creative agency, and they're both account directors. And the reason I invited them on is because they're very impressive account directors. I believe that they do a lot of account directorship really, really well. Some of those things that I've seen and watched them do is being really consultative with their clients. I think they show up and they ask the right questions in meetings. They also bring their clients fresh ideas, new thinking, insights and trends. And generally, they're adding value to every interaction and they're very commercially astute. Apart from all of that, they're also very energetic and engaging. And they're part of my sort of inner circle of account directors that I want to be around because I learn a lot from them. And what I've also observed from both of these girls is the fact that they're always open to new ideas. They're humble enough to know they don't know everything. They approach challenges with a real sort of resilience and a thirst for knowledge. So I love being around them. And that's one of the reasons I wanted them to come on, because I'm I'm sure there's a lot of either account managers looking to step up to account director or account directors that are looking for other ideas from other agencies. So I see this interview as a a bit of an an exchange of information. So I'm going to pass over to maybe I could start with uh, Sarah. And just tell us a bit about you, Sarah, your role at Thursday, how you got into account management and kind of what you do on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, of course. Um, So I'm an account director at Thursday. So we're about a 20-strong insight-led design studio in Winchester. Um, My previous role was with an agency called Skyline, which was a slightly smaller agency. And we sort of specialised in really short lead times. We were a very reactive agency, worked incredibly closely with our clients you know, they pick up the phone to us and we try and turn things around super quickly. So very relationship focused role at Skyline. And then about a year and a half ago, perhaps two years ago, Thursday acquired Skyline. And Thursday are much more kind of insight led and strategic in their culture. So the merge with Thursday brought about a company which was an agency which was much more kind of sort of a full service agency. 
Um, and that's where we are now. Amazing. Thanks, Sarah. What about you, Ruby? Hello. Um, thank you. I'm Ruby Began, um, and I am one of the, um, alongside Sarah, one of the account directors at Thursday, which is a design studio based in Winchester. Um, at Thursday, we use design to explore our clients' problems and we have a real focus on clarity. And it was only this morning, actually, that I had a client say to me, oh, it now makes sense. And it's those sort of moments that we're really after. So that's kind of what gets us up in the morning. I started my account management journey five years ago. And I think probably with quite a lot of people within client services, I fell into it. It's not really the kind of career that you get told about at school. It's not really kind of on your radar from a young age. You know, it's usually a vet. So in my case, I think I wanted to be a midwife, but my biology teacher told me to take a different route. So that ended that dream. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I kind of left uni, panicked, got a call centre job because it was kind of like, oh, I'm out of education, straight into job, didn't want to sort of take that gap year. Did it for six months, hated it, and then uh, looked into kind of pursuing a career in client services. Wow, but client services in agencies or client services, it could be anywhere. Because presumably in the call centre, you got quite a lot of, you got used to speaking to people all the time, which is part of our role, isn't it? Yeah, so from the call centre, I went to a letting agent, so kind of did all that customer service side of things and management of properties. And then from that, that was then a leap into agency. Amazing. Well, thank you both so much. Sarah, can I ask you a question? Recently, there's been a lot of debate about what value the role of an account manager or account director actually brings. So would you mind just sharing your view on what you believe account management actually brings to the party? to both agencies and clients? Yeah, well, I think from a client's point of view, we're acting as that liaison between themselves and the agency. So we've got this really good view of both worlds. So we put ourselves in the world of the client. We learn about what they do, what the industry is doing. You know, we know like the back of our hand how the agency runs and the strategic side of what value we can deliver. So it's just about kind of maximising those, those opportunities, making sure that we're delivering to the best of our ability. I think you're right. I mean, I've seen particularly you, Sarah, being really, as I said in the intro, very consultative with your clients, really getting under the skin of their businesses, finding about what challenges they have, their pain points, and bringing solutions that don't always necessarily fall in the remit of the services you provide at Thursday Studio. So I think you're absolutely right. You really sort of play this ambassador role. What about you, Ruby? Is there anything else you can add to that? Yeah, I totally agree with Sarah. We, you know, client services value added for the agency. We're definitely the hub. We kind of bring everything together. We are the glue. And I am including project management when I sort of mention that. But I do think account management, we have the deepest understanding of our clients, businesses, the ways they like to work, their expectations. We also know the pressures they're under, the stakeholder management, what they need to be able to do their job well. And I think within our agency, we represent our client and sometimes fiercely, you know, we have resourcing meetings where people are trying to take away our resource and we protect our clients. You know, we fiercely are like, no, it needs to be done. We're managing expectations. So I think agency side, we're, we're that hub. And then client side, like Sarah said, I think we're an extension of their team. We have that crucial 
outsider's point of view, but we're also an extra brain or an extra pair of hands for them on their day-to-day stuff. And we don't sort of just say yes to all their requests. We we make sure we challenge them with consideration to make sure that all the solutions that we're giving them are meeting their problems and overcoming them hurdles so that we sort of understand not just the current day problems, but also keeping in mind the bigger picture, like you said. It's a really, really good point, actually. There was a study done by Gartner last year, and I shared that insight with you, and I thought it was really, really insightful because the study was among 700 B2B organisations. And they were asking the question about, why don't you grow at the company? And they've realised that account management, if they go above and beyond in terms of service, they will only reach a level of retain they will retain the account. But in order to go beyond that and actually grow that account, they have to have what they call customer improvement conversations with their clients. And that's where you are being more critical. You are being more challenging. You are delivering more insight and really stretching the client. So I love that you brought that up, Ruby. The other thing that you just said that I would love you to sort of go into a bit more detail about is in your agency, you separate the PM function, the project management function from the account management function. With my other clients, they don't make that separation. So effectively, that one person is doing both roles. Can you talk to me a little bit about how that works for you and also what you believe kind of the fors and against? Mm, Definitely. So I've been in an agency that does both. One where it was a dual role and I was account director and PMing. And then in other agencies where the roles are separate. And I think they're It is separate to an extent. Sarah and I very much still know what's happening in our projects, but splitting it out means that Lucy, our project manager, Lucy, is able to work on the day-to-day stuff. So the timelines, requiring information and content and kind of all of that information and making sure that all the cogs are turning correctly. And then it allows Sarah and myself to kind of come in above that. Although we have full knowledge of the day-to-day, we're able to grow that client account. We're able to talk to them strategically because they don't always want to talk to us about the day-to-day. We're able to kind of pause that and get them to look forward, which is a massive benefit of having that split role. It also means if you're navigating some of the trickier situations and conversations, you're able to say, oh, hang on, let me take that back to my project manager and I can come back to you on that. And it kind of, you don't have, feel like you're sort of put on the spot, you know, of what date is this going to be delivered or can we bring this in sooner? Kind of some of those time concerning questions. So I think it does help in having that other person. And then doing a joint role, I've done that as well. And similarly, you kind of, you just navigate around it. It is just a little bit harder to get the headspace to think strategically and and think about the bigger picture because you are more bogged down in the day-to-day. That's exactly what I hear a lot. And it's interesting you said earlier on that it kind of separates you from the delivery. So if the project isn't going to time or to budget for whatever reason, does that mean you don't have to have those conversations with the client if something's going, you know, haywire? Who actually does have that conversation? Because, you know, we know there's always challenges, particularly with tight deadlines and things. Mm -hmm. So what actually happens in sort of the day-to-day running? I think in those scenarios, when when a project's kind of needing that additional level of support, we, Sarah and I, definitely do get involved and having that conversation. But being on the client side, sometimes project managers are more 
on the agency side but on the basis that they're seeing all the numbers and times and and are very realistic whereas account management you can kind of be like okay well let me see what I can move around and and be a little bit more accommodating in some ways to just try and kind of soften that message so I think we do definitely come in and help with the more difficult conversations when things are not working but before we do that we obviously work with the project manager to kind of be like so what's the compromise what can I take to this conversation that says okay we're not going to meet that but we're going to do this and we're going to do that so it's kind of you're going in prepared I think that is one of the most important things to those difficult conversations where you're about to deliver a little bit of bad news is having something good to kind of help them along their way as well. That's a great tip. Thank you, Ruby. Would you add anything to that, Sarah, about the separation of the PM and the AM role? Um, yeah, well, it just, you know, being able to move away from the conversation and to really fully brief yourself on reasons why, if you know, if, if there are any problems or anything to overcome, it's just really good to be able to go, to go to the team, I think, just to go to the team and have, it, have a really good chat, you know, even sketch it out. Why? Why has this not happened? What's the blocker? So that you're really well briefed to be able to go back. Because sometimes, you know, I think we all have it, you know, a one-on-one conversation doesn't quite hit the mark. You just need that little bit of backup. You need to revisit the timelines, the reasons. A lot of these projects are really complicated. And just having those simple conversations about what's coming in on, on track and what isn't, isn't that simple. So, yeah, so it's just being able to have, just have those conversations internally and then go back fully informed. This is, I'm probably going a little bit too deep into this, but I know it's it's a topic of conversation that comes up a lot, this separation of the PM and the AM role. So do you think in terms of a skill set that's required for the AM and the PM, the PM needs to be better versed in technical skills? Or do you think that it's really important for the AM to totally understand and and maybe have done that role so that they equally are as proficient with the understanding of how a project works like that. What are your views on that? Bit of a weird one, but just curious mm. what you think. The first agency I was at was very technical and I kind of got catapulted into it and had to learn the ropes quite quickly. And the project managers there were extremely technically um, advanced and they were very very good at their jobs and actually I probably didn't need to input technically but having that knowledge and going to a dual role really helped me so I would definitely say if anyone is in client services or looking to get into client services understanding the technicalities and even not just technicalities I think the brand process photography social media I think if you can become your own expert within that area, I do think it really helps to have those conversations and just your general understanding of knowing when things are going off on a different sort of path or and being able to have them conversations with your clients. I do think it helps. I think you're spot on there. And I think I tuned into an interview with Martin Sorrell yesterday talking about the importance of keeping up to speed with what's happening. The industry in terms of marketing is changing all the time. I mean, digital technologies are available now that weren't available only a few years ago. So I think it's also great that you have that ability to maybe spot what the trends are, you know, not just for the customer's business, but client's business, but also for your industry and what's changing. So I think there's a real strong argument for separating those roles. Sarah, can I just ask you, what do you believe the difference is, if any, of an account manager role and account director role? Yeah. So I would say an account manager, you know, essentially you are solving 
client problems. You've, you know, getting to the to the bottom of what needs to be done and you're doing it, you're delivering it to budget on time. With an account director, I just think that you're coming in at a more strategic level. So you're understanding that the client's industry, you're ahead of the curve, hopefully, in that industry and knowing what's coming next, being able to advise on that level. So you're not just talking about the agency world anymore, you're talking about the client's world and then marrying the two together. And then, you know, just being able to, to partner with them, really, and their thinking going forward, too. So, you know, even looking next year, maybe even, you know, five years time, you're looking ahead all the time and, um, you know, drawing observations from the industry. I think it's a really good point, actually. I interviewed a lady called Kate Whitaker, who is head of corporate communications for Dual Group, which is an insurance group. And she said that it was particularly beneficial for her to have an agency that was working with her that understood her market and her yeah. industry. Mm-hmm. But how do you stay on top like, how do you stay on top of what's happening in your client's industry? For me, I just keep an eye on the news. I've got some Google alerts set up, that sort of thing. LinkedIn's really helpful too. If you, you know, you've got the right channel set up on LinkedIn. And I think a really quick way is, you know, following my own clients and their competitors on LinkedIn, seeing what they're talking about. Often, you know, they'll refer to an article or they'll, you know, talk about an event. You know, even events, we can go to events back when we could go to events you know and just just keep on top of it and that's a really really quick way of doing it actually just you know just tuning into what the clients are talking about but obviously you want to bring something new to the table so you want to be making sure that you're you know well versed in similar areas or you know with their competitors or other areas so that would probably be the, the simplest way of doing it but just having an interest I think as well just having a genuine interest because these these industries really are interesting they've got a lot you know, that is particularly over the last 12 months, a lot has been happening in different markets. And it is really interesting just paying attention to the changes and being able to take those observations back to the clients. I love that you've brought that up, actually, because I, I think you're right. LinkedIn is a really, you know, you could be entering the conversation with your clients online as well as offline. I think it's just another opportunity, as well as staying informed with what's going on in your client's industry. Ruby, what about you? Would you add anything to that in terms of, A, the separation of the AM and AD role, but also operating at an AD level? Anything else? Yeah, I would say that personally, I think, that leap from senior account manager to account director is one of the biggest um, and one that you should feel ready for. And, and, you know, I'd advise anyone that's in client services not to rush through the ranks, you know, go from exec to account management to senior to AD and, and get an understanding at each level, because once you are an account director or client services director and managing a team, I think you need to have that empathy and understanding of all the levels to really kind of help manage your team. So firstly, I'd say don't, you know, rush through the ranks. And then I think the other sort of areas in my personal career that attributed to that step up was firstly managing a team, that sort of day-to-day management, as well as creating their growth paths and mapping out their commercial and client and personal-based objectives, having those check-ins and almost putting not your own career to one side, but acknowledging other people's as well. And being that person that's passionate and wanting them to be the best version of themselves. And highlighting areas for improvement or kind of going back to constantly going back to the objectives and saying where are we at with this one have we met that commercial target all of those things I think attributed to me becoming an account director and then secondly like Sarah said I think it's 
having that additional layer to your client partnerships. It's it's not just being firmly by their side, but with them at the forefront of their business, helping them drive it forward, taking in all of that insights from our industry, from their industry, and just making sure that you're kind of aligned with their, not just current ambitions, but future ones as well. Very well said. What do you both feel about thought leadership? Because I always see that on LinkedIn, for example, I think it's the platform at the moment to be on, to enter the conversations with clients, but also to share your thoughts about what's changed in the market. Maybe sharing what you, you know, Sarah mentioned earlier on about going to conferences and events and those insights that you pick up firsthand. How important do you think thought leadership is for account management? Um, well, I think, yeah, it's, it's really important. It just, it, it's a change from the norm. And I think that's what people look for in an agency. They're looking for, they're not just take, looking for people to, to do what they're telling them to do. They're looking for people to, to think differently and to challenge what's been done. And, you know, obviously they call it, you know, just disrupting and new thinking. And that's what people, you know, above and beyond what a lot of agencies offer. So, um, and I think that's what, you know, draws people's attention to us as an agency. Really well said. Thanks, Sarah. Ruby, can you give us some examples of where you think that account management has made, or you yourself, has made a difference to the bottom line of the client? Yeah, of course. Um, so I had a, a university approach us a few years ago with a brief to help drive open day attendees. And that was kind of the extent of the brief. It, didn't, it wasn't very, very deep. So we worked closely with them to kind of build that solution and seamlessly allow users to engage with the university and book open days and the project KPIs were met and that brief was fulfilled but as part of the account management process and being involved in the insights phase of that project we did like a a sort of a deep dive into everything and we discovered there was a series of mundane tasks that staff were having to do manually. So we looked to overcome that as part of this project and and automate those tasks. So that not only did it boost general morale, but it also empowered the team to spend more time on strategic partnerships, which had an amazing effect on the client's bottom line. And It was a great example of how account management and insights, not only did we achieve the original brief, but we overcome other problems that they were not even aware of. And these were operational or internal engagement problems. So it was kind of a massive learning curve for me, how account management is sitting there and questioning things and going down different avenues with the client to not just accept that the brief was to drive open day attendees, but to delve in a little bit further, we overcome a much bigger issue than they they thought. And, you know, it was a sort of a two, two-pronged approach and they got the open day numbers up and they also improved internal efficiencies and morale. So it was a really great outcome that kind of demonstrates that through design and development, you can kind of overcome a multitude of hurdles that you probably didn't even know were there when writing the brief, I think. That is such a super example of adding additional value to a client's business, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And actually, the client presents a problem to you, but actually, is that the problem? Is it the only problem? What's the impact of that problem? And what else can we see that perhaps they're not seeing? So a couple of questions on this particular example, because I think it's a great one. Do you find sometimes that clients are reluctant to share with you more information about their business so that you can sort of lift the lid on what's happening? And how did you do it in that instance? 
So in this instance, it was as part of all of our projects, we have an insights phase where we kind of want to go in and do a deep dive. And that is, you know, sold in from new business as part of our journey. And it's such a crucial part. And it's usually done through interviews with personnel in the team. So you kind of understand, so it's, you're not just capturing all this information from the marketing manager or the CTO or the CMO, you're kind of broadening it out to understand other people's views on the business problems or that solution. You know, everyone knew we were working towards driving open days and we were asking people's opinions on and understanding the workflow of delivering these open days. And these mundane series of tasks were completed manually and were happy to be done before the open day booking could be completed and we sort of spoke to them about these tasks and and how much time it was taking up and and we kind of built a little bit of a business case to really kind of explore this further with the client which obviously they saw the amount of time that was being put into these tasks and realized that automating them would cause I think it was about 30 percent efficiencies. Wow. So if you hadn't have spoken to other people about the problem in the organisation, you may not have uncovered that inside. That's brilliant. So that's a really good tip as well, isn't it, for other people listening. The person that brings you the problem, you know, think about how the problem is currently affecting other people, get their views on how they see the problem. And through that, you get the insight. I think that's uh, that's a great example. Sarah, do you have any other examples of where you've added value to the bottom line of the client's business? Um, I've got some examples, but I just wanted to say that, you know, generally Thursday, that is the way we approach every problem with the insight phase. And I just think that, you know, as a general, without specific examples, I think we're just, we take that approach each time. So a client will come to us, very often a client will come to us and say, I need a website or I need I need a, a new app or whatever it might be. And we always, as a matter of course, we'll sit down with them and actually analyze what they're asking us start again and just find out what the driver is behind that and what it is that they're trying to achieve so we'll look at the objectives we'll look at the you know the goals and then we go all the way back to the beginning and figure out if that really is the question is it the website is it the brand so for example somebody did come to us recently for a website actually it was a problem with the brand so we have rebranded that company now and we're already looking at really exciting results from that and then we will go on and do a website so it's those sorts of things and as we were saying you know it's just about asking the questions you know we've got lots of examples of companies that have come back to us and have said you have made a direct impact on my bottom line through the projects that we've done with you wow it really really is I'm so glad you're explaining this because I think this is key really to how we can add value as a you know as an industry as a role and I suppose I kind of want to dive even deeper into it, but I think you've really explained the key crux of it. And I suppose I want to ask you the same question, Sarah, about is there ever any reluctance? You know how sometimes it's it's a character thing, isn't it? If your client comes to you, yeah. I just need a website, we'll just get on with it. I ju- yeah. I've made the decision. I always use the analogy of being a doctor diagnosing problems. We kind of have to ask loads of questions to really uncover all the symptoms. But sometimes people come and they're self-diagnosed. Yeah. I know what the problem is. I've chosen my medicine and I just need you to just write the prescription. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you ever find that? It does happen, yeah. And again, you know, we're always going to have some conversations anyway, you know, whether we explain that we need to sit down and really identify the issues. I think it's particularly, I think it's probably particularly with existing clients, isn't it, Sarah? 
that we find yeah. that I think new clients are more than happy to go through the deep dive insights but existing clients once they've done that big brand and big website project and they're like right I need this and we go right let's delve into why you need that and they're like oh no I just need you know they've been through the process they're like you know enough about me so there are times where you have to know your clients I think and you have to understand when they want to go through it and not and Sarah and I I mean we definitely experience clients pushing back and saying this is what I need I just need that that's a really good point actually to separate it from brand new clients who are working with you for the first time and it makes sense and then those ongoing relationships so that's that's the reality isn't it Mm -hmm. Sarah were you going to say something else then just often down to time restraints and budgetary restraints with clients you know if they feel like there are you know, new requirements and they need it done quickly, then yes, they often do come to us and say, right, forget asking any questions, let's just get this done. But we do still try to, as far as possible, even if it's reusing insight that we've done previously, you know, we're reluctant really to kick off a project without any insight behind it because the end result is always so much better, you know, when you've got full visibility of what you're doing and why you're doing it. Mm. I suppose it's also explaining why you're digging in further. You know, typically with our other clients, we've found in the past that, you know, going a little bit deeper into this area helps them and make it about them. Mm. So that's a really good point. Why do you think clients stay with agencies for a long time? Because I know that you've got very loyal clients and obviously testament to Simon Harmer, who's I think's created a really fantastic culture where you both feel very, you know, happy in your roles, energized, motivated. And it's a real sort of team vibe, which I think, you know, culturally, I think the agency has got it right. But why do you think clients stay with you for so long? I think it's the continuous stream of sort of forward thinking ideas that are rooted in the knowledge of the client's business as well as their industry is key for client retention. I think this married with the kind of trust that's built up over a period of time from Simon, from the developers, from the creative. A lot of people in our agencies they're client facing you know most people are more than happy to kind of jump on a call or present and I think that's that's really lovely that our clients really get to know not just Sarah and I and Simon but also the wider team and I think that's really nice and I think that married with transparency on communications as well as kind of well-delivered services helps with all the client retention. Great points what about you Sarah anything to add to that? Yeah, I think we are lucky with our team. They're just such a great bunch of people. And we've got, again, you know, we're lucky with our culture and that we've got this incredibly supportive agency. So within the studio, as Ruby said, people jump on calls, they present. We all do things together and our clients do know the wider team. I just think we're supportive of each other. And, you know, we have a group meeting every morning and we can just say, you know, in that meeting, look, I, I need I need a bit of help over here. This is a, you know, we've got a new delivery date over here. What can we do? And I just find that people just, you know, come out of the woodwork and say, right, you know, they can roll up their sleeves and and help with anything we need help with. So we get things done. So, um, you know, it's that accountability, you know, even the wider team, even the people that wouldn't necessarily in some agencies be client facing or have any real direct accountability to a client. I think here people do feel accountable. Everybody feels accountable and everybody feels that, you know, they've got this responsibility to deliver what we've said we'll deliver. 
I think this is huge. And you two, I think you remind me of my publicist days and the team that we had there because Mm. it truly was, it felt like a family. We had each other's back and it was just such a lovely environment. I miss that so much. And it was a very special time because, you know, you just, you want to be there and you want to help each other. And I just, I get that vibe from you every time I speak to you. Tell me about, we're obviously recording this in December 2020. We've just come out of lockdown because of the global pandemic. I would love you to just touch on maybe some of the challenges you've had from an account management perspective. Any challenges you've experienced as a result of suddenly everyone working from home and maybe having to speak to clients at home or getting stuff done? What's kind of what's been happening your side? Yeah, I think that it's brilliant when we're all in the agency together, when we're all in the studio together. You know, we can just pull into meetings ad hoc. We can just, you know, have discussions over the desks. We can't do that now. And that's, that is hard because, you know, we do work together so well, we create things together. So I think that's, that is a drawback that we have to work in our silos. We, we, you know, a lot, a lot has done over messenger over zoom. It's just not quite the same. And in a creative space, I think you get the best synergies with colleagues when you are in a room together and, and, you know, and there's just the fun bit as well, you know, just the social bit. But I think we are lucky with Zoom. I know that it's not everybody's favourite thing, but it's been a lifesaver. And I think that we never had any qualms in jumping on a video call with clients before. So this was just an extension of that. And our clients have been very receptive to that. So we've just kept regularly checking in with clients, even if it's just to have a chat and just say, how's it all going? Isn't this all a bit weird? you know, they've been happy to chat. And from that, sometimes they'll open up to start talking about business opportunities, things that they quite like to do, things they'd like to look into. And and we've been able to see where we can help. Have you found that they've been more accessible than usual because they're at home and have more time for you? At times, yeah. Depending on the client, at times, yeah, they can be more accessible. There have been times, I just think that in an office environment, your time's a bit more segmented. And you've got a meeting all morning and then you're out of the office, you know, whatever it might be. Whereas, you know, you don't have that travel time. There's more downtime, possibly, depending on the client. And it does mean that, you know, they're more likely to want to have a chat, really. I love what you said there. You just, you know, phoning to check on them. And then that kind of leads naturally to business conversations. So that's kind of feels very natural. What about you, Ruby? What are the challenges? How have you seen this whole situation and how have you overcome it? So I think one of the kind of biggest challenges for me, regardless of COVID really, is managing scope creep and maintaining a healthy partnership. I think that is probably one of the hardest aspects of our role as account directors is kind of maintaining that relationship, giving the client what they want, as well as not overburning hours in the studio. So I think, you know, a lot of projects start with a host of assumptions on both sides that aren't always captured in the initial brief, which are then not captured in the estimate. And these assumptions can be anything from, you know, functionality they thought was meant to be included or data automatically being pulled through. And and I think, COVID and doing it all over the phone, um, doing it over Zoom has made it more difficult because, you know, none of us have found that magic solution yet to overcome all the scope creep. But I think doing it over Zoom has made it a little bit more difficult because I like to have a quite an open conversation at the start of a partnership, you know, maybe over a kind of introductory lunch or or quite softly where we kind of explain that 
all these assumptions will be unearthed in the early stages and things will be brought to the surface and and that we will collaboratively overcome these so I think not being able to kind of book those lunches and have those soft touches makes some of the harder conversations down the line a little more trickier to navigate that's really interesting actually and I'm glad we're talking about it because scope creep is huge it's one of the biggest problems that we have to manage isn't it yeah and what you just said there was really key I think is sort of managing expectations from the beginning Mm -hmm. but also sort of preparing the client for the fact that there may be assumptions that we're both making Mm -hmm. that are going to come up throughout the project that we'll have to talk about and I think setting that foundation to have that transparent conversation is key and you know I like to capture all of these probably in a statement of work or something like that and use prioritizing methods usually a Moscow methodology where it must have should have could have won't have and understanding their priorities so that I can then go back to the team and say right this is a really small tweak can we squeeze it in budget letting the client know as well that we've managed to squeeze that one in just so that they're kind of aware of what is coming through and what isn't and you know some of the larger assumptions you know is there a workaround that we can do that brings it within budget or if not provide an additional quote for it and I also think for other account managers and account directors I think having that conversation where the client assumed it was included we've not assumed it's included is a tricky one and I think having the confidence to kind of you know provide workarounds or if not possible show them all the things that have been included that weren't initially included and be confident enough to provide a quote and and explain that you know it might be that we can do this in phase two and it's also once you've built that relationship with the client the elements of or assumptions that don't squeeze into phase one, it's an amazing way of building that shopping list for your account plan for future growth from the phase two, because you've instantly got a whole host of requirements that your client wants to action, and they can be rolled out quite quickly after the initial phase. So it can really help with growing your account and keeping that client working with the agency after the kind of big ticket piece of work. Really good points here. First slight point, Moscow. Mm. Repeat that for us because I think that's a great little... Must have, should have, could have, won't have. So it's a it's a nice way for them to prioritise and really sort of sit down. Right, we really must have that. Mm, well, we should have that, shouldn't we? Because I know Peter wants that. Or could have, mm, okay, well, there's a few people that want it and won't have, fine. You know, it is a bottom of the priority list. So it's a way that they can kind of sit down and know that it's business critical. We must have it. And then we have to have quite transparent conversations about that. Love that tip, Ruby. That's a great tip. Thank you. What about scope creep where it's less about additional features and not having identified those at the beginning? And it's just simply because the project's going on longer than we anticipated and we're spending more hours. Any tips for any account manager that might be listening to this with that situation? I would say really be transparent and let that client know early. As soon as you know that this project is not on path, let them know and speak to speak to your team. Don't just sit there and, and let it fester because it's only going to get worse. I mean, I've learned from that. It's not going to go away. Speak to your team and it might be that your boss says, right, okay, well, I'm happy as a business to absorb X amount of hours because so-and-so needed training or they needed to understand the project a little bit more. And, you know, have that conversation with the client. If there is an opportunity to say, right, as an agency, we're willing to invest X amount of hours. 
I was wondering, is there any way that we could get an extra X amount of hours so that we can finish this project together and make sure it's the best version? So kind of letting them know that you've invested hours and that you need a little bit from them as well. I found that has worked, but you need to be in a very good place with your partnership and have already delivered some elements to build that trust so that they don't think, oh, you're just sort of swallowing all the time. Make sure that they can see that you've delivered previously. I love that. I think that's really, really good. Keep talking, keep the lines of the communication really fluid and open. Rip off the plaster, have the conversation as early as you possibly can and then come with solutions. (laughs) It's only going to get worse. And then prepare some solutions or prepare, you know, internally have that conversation before you go back to the client. So great, great advice. What other advice would you have, Sarah, for anyone that's listening to this and they think I need to kind of improve my account management skills or I want that promotion to account director I feel I'm ready for that what what else do I need to be doing any advice for client service people um yeah I think you can just make sure you're educating yourself in your client's industry making sure you're having that strategic relationship with them in terms of wanting to climb up the ranks I think you can demonstrate that you're doing your job through the agency numbers. So if you're clear on what you are delivering, you know, and having your targets set properly in terms of, you know, what is likely to happen, what has happened in the past, and you can show what you're bringing to the to the agency, um, then you you will get recognition for the role that you're playing in, in the agency. So, yeah. Great, great advice. Bring extra value, learn about uh, the client's business, and watch the numbers. Um, Ruby, anything else? Yeah, I would say, firstly, obviously, reach out to yourself, Jenny. Every time I speak to you, you ignite a fire in my belly and remind me why I love what I'm doing. And I always way feeling that I've been given a breath of fresh air, which is, which is huge. And I think if anyone is looking to improve their skills, to definitely, obviously, reach out to yourself. And then secondly, I would say work closely with your team. <laughs> you're making me cry thank you for saying that I didn't pay her everybody I didn't pay exactly <laughs> work closely with your team I've been in an agency where we were almost encouraged to compete against each other and um we're giving rewards for getting x amount of money in fastest and things like that and and I just don't think it's a healthy culture I think working closely with other people in your client services team share ideas, share tips, share stories. Don't try and stand on each other's toes. You know, you're in this together as an agency and as a department. And I think that is probably one of the ways that I was able to improve my account management skills is from learning from others. Great, great advice. And thank you for saying that That was very sweet. What else should you be focusing on, particularly with the account director role? We've mentioned understanding the client's business, being consultative, asking the right questions, bringing insights, new ideas, being ahead of the curve, watching the numbers, anything that we haven't mentioned, leading the team, being collaborative, being a thought leader, anything else that you think would be relevant to someone listening to this? Um, I think one of the tips you always give, Jenny, is, you know, making sure that you're asking for referrals at the right time from clients because that's the real driver for new business you know when when things have gone right with a project you know when you've got this strong relationship with your client and you've demonstrated that your agency is really working in the best possible way with the best possible results you know that moment is perfect to be able to ask who else can benefit from these sorts of services 
yeah, historically with us, you know, we've had clients that are really happy to pass on this referral and just to say, well, yeah, it's worked for me. So why wouldn't it work for this other associate? And it's a brilliant way to kind of to move through and win new business. I'm so glad you said that, Sarah, because that's spot on. Um, and I think agency nomics have done a couple of surveys recently to show that I think it's 30 percent of new business comes from clients who refer you to someone else or move somewhere else and take you with them. And that's yeah. huge. So if we're not good at spotting the opportunities to ask for referrals, then it's a missed opportunity. Exactly. I have just having that relationship where it's where it's possible to ask as well. You know, you should be as an account director or an account manager, you should be comfortable with your clients to that degree where you can happily ask for that. You know, and if if you don't have that relationship, it's probably something you need to continue to work on. Mm, really good, really good points. Um, Ruby, who inspires you? Who do you follow? What do you listen to? What do you read? You've mentioned resources for your role like LinkedIn, mm. setting up Google Alerts, following your clients on, you know, on social and understanding their industries. Where do you get this information? What do you do? Yeah. So I do a lot of talking, I think. And I think rather than kind of going to kind of these sort of platforms, I think I just do a lot of talking with others within client services. And I have a former colleague at a previous agency that continues to inspire me, Jodie Simpson. She's just an absolute pocket rocket. And even now we've both moved on, we're both in separate agencies and, but we kind of Whenever we've got an issue and, it, you know, it could be a client issue or or just a general question, it's just having that network where you can kind of tap in and say, I just need a bit of help. I'm a bit stuck. I don't know where to go with this. And having been able to share stories or, or shed a bit of advice or read a difficult email or things like that. And we do it together, Sarah and I. And I would say that it's those moments that inspire my career. It's I'm not a massive one for kind of reaching out or looking at and following sort of sort of in this space I think it's more I have probably quite a small close-knit network that inspires my career and definitely amongst the team at Thursday Sarah Simon talking to other people that are kind of right in the thick of it I think that's what helps me in my role. Great that's really good advice what about you Sarah anything else to add to that? Actually I have to say I'm quite similar to be honest you know, we try, I think we all try and keep up to speed with what's happening. And there are things, you know, I, I like to read creative review and, and that sort of thing, just because I'm at heart creative. And that interests me, say, you know, keeping up to speed with what's happening creatively, what the latest thinking is. And yeah, the odd podcast, but there's nothing that I would say that I religiously would go to. But like Ruby, for me, it's, it's conversations. And in those conversations, people put you onto things all the time. So Jenny, you've done with me before, just said, have you heard this? Have you read that? And I've got a, a weird personality. If someone says that to me, I have to then do it. Piling extra so stuff it's onto annoying. you. Yeah. Have you read that? It's the whole book. And yes, I will then go and read that book. So that there, are, there are little things, but yeah, I'll take advice from other people on what to read and have those conversations. And we all seem to be pretty, pretty up to speed. So absolutely. That's working. great. Great advice. Final question. Anyone listening to this who's thinking about getting into agency account management, what would your one piece of advice be? And don't say don't do it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would say um, be present on LinkedIn. Make sure you build yourself a, you know, a great profile and reach out to people in the industry. You know, everyone within account management, we love to chat, you know, reach out to people 
and just say, hey, have you got five minutes? Can I have a chat? You know, I'm thinking of getting into this industry. Would you be able to shed some light? And and just having that conversation, it will build your confidence and it will also clarify whether it is a route that you want to take. Brilliant advice. Sarah, anything else? Yeah, um, I think networking events. So things like, you know, we did tea and toast at Thursday and a couple of other networking events that our marketing manager puts our way sometimes when things come up that are of interest. And I think that's a brilliant way. You just, you know, now that it's all on Zoom, it feels like it's not going to be, it's going to be a bit awkward, particularly when they've got breakout rooms and you've got to chat to people you've never met on Zoom. But actually, weirdly, it really works. I found it really, really works. And I've met some really interesting people. And if I was just starting out in this career, I think that that would be a great way just to kind of get that exposure, just to chat to people and to find out who you click with. And if they potentially run an agency or work in that sector, then it's a, you mm. know, it's just a great intro. Very good advice. Very good advice. Where can people reach you if they want to contact you to have a further chat? LinkedIn. Yeah. Just I'm, I'm always on LinkedIn. So yeah, just reach out, send a message and then we can set up a Zoom call. Definitely. Brilliant. Same for you, Sarah. I'm the same. Yeah. I'm, I've often checked my LinkedIn account. So yeah. Brilliant. All right. So thank you both so much. This has been so valuable. I know that you've shared so many tips and I'm sure people are thinking, wow, I didn't think of that, or this was a great reminder, or hopefully they're going to come away with some golden nuggets. I like to call it golden nuggets that they can apply in their businesses. So thank you both so much. I really hope you enjoyed that chat with Sarah and Ruby and have come away with some ideas that you can perhaps implement in your role as account director. If you're interested in investing in yourself, in your career and learning how to retain and grow existing client relationships, then just to let you know, I'm running my Account Accelerator program in January 2021. And this is a three-month coaching program where I take you from unpredictable project revenue to more predictable account growth in 90 days. So if that sounds interesting, then please get in touch. It's Jenny Plant on LinkedIn or Jenny at accountmanagementskills.com. I look forward to speaking to you on the next episode.